0: It's no secret to most that as I record, uh, this podcast, Russia is on the doorstep of Ukraine. Um, and it would appear that, that Russia is at least poised to begin a, a what, would, what would potentially be a three-front war through uh through you know eastern ukraine uh, northern ukraine through belarus and and through southern ukraine through through crimea a three-pronged offensive into ukraine uh which which would certainly be the largest uh conventional war that that uh russia has fought since um since probably their their invasion of afghanistan unless i'm forgetting something along the way and, and I want to talk about that today and, and talking about prepping for such an event as that. Now, obviously, I have very few, um, um, listeners that, that live in Ukraine or even the Baltic states, Poland. Uh, it's, you know, it's just, you know, between the language barrier and whatnot. I mean, it's just not very common. Instead, I'm, this is mostly geared towards my, my regular viewers, people that live in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and, and some other countries. Is, is prepping for something like this necessary? And, and I think the, the first response for most people that, that see the title of today's podcast it would be that, no, that's not something we really need to, to prep for. Right, and unless we're expecting some sort of like a you know the the bombs, the missiles go flying. I'm talking like a nuclear war. That's not something we need to prep for. And I would disagree with that. And I'm going to talk about that today: how to prep for a a large-scale conventional war in Eastern Europe. Now, that can look a lot of different ways, but I want to go over four different scenarios here and talk about how those four different scenarios will affect you and I likely. And, and this is what they are. I mean, that's basically a spectrum here. And, and this can look differently, certainly. But, but on the, on the least severe side of the spectrum, short of a, you know, Russia not invading at all would be a, a small invasion, not a large scale invasion, or I should say not a small invasion, but an invasion that only is, is seeking to occupy parts of Ukraine. Maybe create, you know, create a, a land bridge between, um, eastern, you know, Ukraine or, or Western Russia and Crimea, maybe parts along the, the northern border of Ukraine, but not the entire country, maybe half of the country, right? It'd be a large-scale invasion in terms of forces by, by Russia, but it wouldn't be the entire country. Okay, the second scenario would be a large-scale invasion. Russia moves in uh, along with Belarusian forces, and they occupy over half of the country, maybe all of Ukraine, um, certainly, you know, most of the Russian speaking areas and and some of the other, you know, maybe the Eastern half of Ukraine, uh, or more, uh, occupied by Russia. Okay. The next, um, the next, you know, uh, most severe, uh, scenario would be, a, a large scale or a small scale invasion a large or small invasion with NATO involvement. Right. And that's, That can happen for a variety of reasons maybe nato decides they they need to get involved maybe they're worried about russia moving on some of the baltic states next maybe um russia does something or there's a false flag or something where where all of a sudden maybe some some of our nato and and russian air assets um you know go to toe to toe it could be something like like russia you know reportedly carrying out some sort of atrocity some sort of genocide in in parts of ukraine And, and NATO decides, hey, we can't just sit back and allow that to happen. Um, nonetheless, it, it mostly stays, at least in this scenario, in Ukraine, maybe Belarus, maybe parts of Russia, certainly Crimea, Donbass, but maybe not all of Russia or other NATO countries. And then the final one on this, on this, you know, list of severity, uh, would be a conflict that would involve NATO and would exceed Ukraine's borders especially to the west one that would involve in Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, um some of the other, you know, eastern or central European powers, Finland as well up up north Uh, so I want to, those are the four different scenarios, right? And hopefully, you know, if Russia invades, it would be a smaller invasion. Um, it wouldn't be a complete occupation of the country and hopefully NATO wouldn't get involved either. And I'm going to get pushback on that. Some people would be more than happy for NATO to get involved and push back the, you know, the red menace or whatever. Um, my, my opinion would be that, that that would not end well. Anyways, how does that affect you and I? Well, well, first off, okay, if, if it is indeed a smaller invasion or even an invasion that is relegated to Ukrainian borders and NATO does not get involved militarily other than just providing support to Ukraine. Well, the, the main effects of that are going to be because of, of, of economic sanctions that would be placed on Russia. And, and those types of economic sanctions themselves can, can birth more Sanctions or more, um, you know, economic measures. It would be interesting to see if that occurs. What, what countries, if any, will, will side with Russia in, in, you know, solidarity more or less. Would China do something like that? I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's common belief that China and Russia are best buds. They're not, right? They both have very distinct in, in interests and yet sometimes those interests overlap. Uh, you know, would any Central Asian countries Stand in solidarity. Certainly, you know Belarus would, you know, but but other than them, you know, what? Regardless, though, those sanctions would have an effect on you and I. Um, the the most obvious would be energy prices. I think we could expect energy prices, especially in Europe, because of their reliance on natural gas from Russia through Ukraine. Uh, You'd expect energy prices to increase significantly oil prices would go up, natural gas, coal, all of that. Electricity prices would go up. You'd see those prices at the pump and you'd see those reflected in just about every other consumer good or even services because energy is like the key component to to everything that we consume here in in the West or, or the entire world, honestly. So that'd be the most obvious one. And you'd also see pretty significant impacts on food prices, maybe even food shortages. I mean, this would really exacerbate some of the supply chain and inflationary pressures that that we're already seeing being placed on on the global economy because of the sanctions that would be placed on and I'm not saying those sanctions won't be justified. I'm just saying that would be the end result of it. Right. Now there's a lot of talk about SWIFT and and the SWIFT um you know dollar settlement program that that Russia is a part of and and would likely be taken, you know, the access would be cut off uh, to Russia were they to, to invade. And, and that would, that would take a toll on the Russian economy, right? And, and, and certainly, you know, economic problems in Russia and the sanctions placed on Russia, even if they can find some trading partners elsewhere, including China for their energy or for other goods, it, you know, that would spill over and, and that would, that would affect the global economy. Make no mistake. That would hurt the United States and 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 all of europe and japan and in australia I and mean, it would hurt those countries too it's just a matter of you know is is that worth it right is is that cost that we might pay for it worth the message we're trying to send or the damage we're trying to do to their economy now it's a similar story for a large-scale invasion a, an invasion that takes over more than half maybe all of ukraine um it, it just may be at a greater extent. We, we might see, uh, sanctions placed on Russia and, and their allies, um, that, that will be more severe. We, we could potentially see Russia strike back with some of their own, you know, asymmetric, um, you know, weapons. We'll call them weapons, not, not literal weapons, not conventional weapons. But, well, anyways, one of the other problems that, that we face with this in terms of this asymmetric Warfare, if we start carrying that out on Russia and, and, you know, economic sanctions are absolutely, you know, asymmetric warfare it would be that Russia strikes back with their own. Now, the, Russia placing sanctions on the U.S. or Western Europe, that's, that's not going to be a huge deal in the whole scheme of things. We can do more damage with our sanctions than they can with, with theirs. However, there are other weapons that they have, including s- cyber warfare. And, and this is, this is a really interesting topic. I mean, cyber warfare has the potential to be very damaging, even deadly, very deadly to, to societies and to entire continents. And yet it's, it's an area of warfare that is not well defined. What I mean by that is that in, in the topic of, of nuclear uh, conflict, we, we have very, very clear definitions, we have very clear rules on, on just, just about everything. Uh, number of nuclear devices where you can, you know, put the missiles. Who can have missiles? Who can have nukes? Uh, under what circumstances can you use them? I mean, basically none unless you're, you know, North Korea or whatnot. Um, certainly some countries haven't signed on to some of those test treaties, but, but, uh, it's pretty clear that if Russia were to go and go ahead and use a nuke, that, that would be very bad and we'd have a very clear you know, repercussions for that. But what if Russia were to, you know, carry out a, a large scale cyber attack on, on you know, Western and Central European power grid systems or natural gas systems or the United States and our, um, our banking system or, or our healthcare system or, or our power grid. I mean, those types of things can, can kill hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands. I mean, imagine if we have a widespread failure of our power grid and it cannot get restarted for, a week, a month, and, you know, in March, even in February, that's, that's cold weather that people are going to be dying in, right? Not to mention the damage done to, to those that are the most frail in society. I mean, it's, that's a lot of damage that can be done by uh, a tool, a weapon that is not well-defined. And certainly the U.S. can do the same to Russia. I would not be surprised if we do as a sort of punishment for any sort of an invasion, but this is something that we have to consider and, and prepare for a grid down scenario or a failure. You know, we saw it in, in 2021, I believe the, uh, what was it? The colonial pipeline, uh, a gasoline pipeline that shut down because of reportedly, I think it was a cyber attack. I mean, those things can happen and you better believe that Russia knows, you know, has, has identified and our vulnerabilities and prepared, you know, methods in which to, to exploit those vulner vulnerabilities in our, you know, cyber world here in the West, the U.S. has done the same with Russia, but it's okay. something that you have to prep for, right? You have to prep for food shortages, gas shortages, loss of electricity. I mean, those are kind of the big ones. Um, lack of access to the banking system or a failure of the electronic banking system, a closure of markets. I mean, all those things are something that you have to prepare for accordingly, right? Having extra food on hand, having extra gas on hand, um, having a generator. If you have one of those, you know, prepared and have enough have enough fuel for it, have extra cash on hand in case, you know, electric banking systems fail. And, and finally, you know, the last one on this list would be, or the final two on this list would be a large, uh, scale invasion or small scale one, but, but one that NATO gets involved in, whether it's through the air or boots on the ground. Uh, this is, I already kind of mentioned this, but you know, it's, it's not so far fetched to see Russia commit some sort of genocide or for there to be allegations of it even if it didn't happen doesn't always matter uh right it's it comes down to narrative sometimes not saying russia would or wouldn't i think they absolutely would but i mean you know plenty of countries in the plenty of countries in the west would probably do the same it's it's a possibility and, and to get nato involvement over something like that that that's very realistic right or uh Alternatively, if, if the, uh, conflict were to spread beyond Ukraine's borders, maybe they, they move into most, if not all of Ukraine. And, um, you know, all of those extra refugees, uh, moving, you know, uh, west in, into Poland and other countries, um, they're, you know, they carry with them some amount of warfare or whatnot, um, that tensions rise between, poland or the baltic other baltic states and and russia and belarus and and some sort of conflict you know spreads there and it becomes a larger conventional conflict and all of the things i've mentioned here uh, how will how will china and other russian allies respond what, what type of an energy crisis will we deal with cyber attacks and then the, the effects of those um, what, what effect will it have in our financial system and on markets how about food prices um availability of other you know Necessities like medicine, um, gasoline, natural gas, uh, higher, higher prices, significant inflationary forces at work. All of those things are things that you have to consider in a perfect world. This ends in a not very messy way that, that Russia deescalates. Or if there's some war, it, it stays contained. And at worst, we just deal with some sanctions, right? Um, you know, if an invasion happens, that's going to be the best case scenario, that it ends quickly and that Russia deals with some, some sanctions. But even in that scenario, which, again, if Russia invades, they certainly will be dealing with quite a bit of, of economic problems and sanctions and whatnot. We could still be dealing with a lot of inflationary forces an energy crisis, higher prices, Um food shortages, gas shortages. I mean, electricity prices, natural gas prices will skyrocket in most of Europe. Um, and, and that's, that's assuming that Russia doesn't respond with some other asymmetric attack or that NATO doesn't get involved. So again, we'll go back to that question of do we even need to prep for something like this? I think the answer is yes. It's something we have to be aware of. Now, preppers, as a whole are already going to be prepped for this to some extent. But it's something to be aware of, it's something to be mentally prepared for, because mental preparation for something like this is the, you know, the first step. Never mind how much stuff you have. If you're mentally prepared for something like this to happen and some of the knock on effects, and and once you realize that, hey, you know, a war in Eastern Europe can absolutely affect me in Idaho or in Brisbane or in, in London or wherever you might be, then, you know, it's, it's from there that you can act accordingly, even if that action is, is really nothing more than just mental preparation, because maybe you, you already have all your preps in place. Um, but it's something to be aware of and, and part of why I have been keeping such a close eye on this conflict. Do I think that conflict is going to, um, is going to happen in Eastern Europe. I, I I do. Um, I have a bad feeling about it. I, I think that it, I think that it will, Uh, potentially by the end of the month. And, you know, I got a, I got a bad feeling that I wouldn't be surprised if, if there is some NATO involvement, um, whether it's on purpose or not. You know, it's not, it's going to be under dubious circumstances. It's not going to be a clear cut. We're going to come to the aid of Ukraine. I think it'd be something else that would, that would spark that type of involvement. But, but it's certainly something that I think is, is far more likely than markets are pricing in and far more likely than, than many in, in Western countries are, you know, it, it doesn't correspond to the amount of attention or the emphasis that we're placing on this, this brooding conflict. So as always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on those down below in the comment section. Um, for those of you that are on uh, podcast platforms, hey, if you have, can't comment, that's fine. Head over to YouTube and comment. Or if nothing else, you know, leave a review for this podcast when you uh when you get a chance. I understand you're probably driving, running, maybe doing something else, exercising. But you know, once you get a chance, I'd love a review on whatever platform you're listening on. As always, though, I'd like to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast and God bless.